Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I've asked Jess to come up here and and help me. Who loves Jess? Jess is going to, uh, to read our scripture tonight. So if you've got your Bible, why don't you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 6 and read to verse 12. And, uh, and then she's going to pray over us and over the words. So Jess, over to you. Awesome. So 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And so as we read that, I'm just going to pray over Pastor Dave as you bring the word. So Father, we thank you for this word. And we thank you, Father, for the word that you have planted in Pastor Dave's heart to share with us tonight. And Father, we ask that every person in this room would have a soft soil in their hearts, that they would have cheerful hearts ready to receive the word, ready to be convicted of the word that you're going to speak to them tonight, Father. And so I pray that as he speaks, what is of you would resound and what is not of you would fall away. But Father that your name would be glorified in this and that we would leave changed. I pray for every person in this room that whatever we came in with, Lord, any destruction, any destructive area of our life, anything that is trapping us or stopping us from accessing you, Father, would those things be left at the door and would we leave changed today? So I thank you for your word. Would you bless it in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jess. Give her a round of applause. Amazing. I want to talk to you tonight around the subject, there's power in a seed. There's power in a seed. Turn to your neighbour, say there's power in a seed. There's power in a seed. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking around the topic of what does God say about money. And if you weren't here last week, Dr. Mike uh, really diligently and according to scripture unpack the topic of tithe and what that looks like and and how the what the bible actually says about it both in the old testament and the new testament and what it's for and so if you weren't here i encourage you go back have a listen to that on our youtube channel or even better go into the bookstore and get his new book which is the extended version of that and then the week before that pastor Corey talked uh, and preached around the subject of stewardship And I want to communicate to us today that this message is not just a message that uh, is a topical one for me as much as it is a topical one, but it's something that has transformed my life. I am where I am today 
for two reasons. One, because of the revelation that God showed me in His Word around the topic of money. And the second reason is because of my wife. (laughs) I'm just being truthful. See, I, I firmly believe if we get a real understanding of the way God views our money and we align to that, we will transform the world a lot quicker. We will transform this world to look like heaven a lot quicker than just going through the motions. And so what I want to look at tonight is really the subject of offerings or free will giving and how we can be generous, how we can do that. You see, uh, this context, this scripture here uh, talks, uh, the, the, the context around this scripture is Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's writing to them uh, to say, hey, can you guys consider giving a gift that we are gonna collect and take to the church in Jerusalem? The reason they were taking up a gift to take to them was the church in Jerusalem was under severe persecution and severe famine. And the Bible actually says that there were two things that would happen because of this gift. One, that the church in Jerusalem would glorify God, that He was looking after them, providing for them. And the second thing was that the church would grow and God's kingdom would advance. And can I tell you, that is the purpose of what happens when we give. So I want to be really clear tonight. We're not talking about the tithe. We are talking about being generous and about free will offerings. Does that make sense? So if that's the case, the question then becomes, why does God have something to say about what we give? And I would say this, it's because God is looking for a generous people. God is looking for a generous people. He's looking for people who will be generous with what God has entrusted to them. In verse In verse 6, it says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Did you know God's no respecter of persons? He he, he doesn't like prioritise the rich and the elite. He doesn't prioritise the poor and and the desolate and the downtrodden. No, God actually isn't any respecter of persons. I did a a really in-depth study of the original language here and I found out this one thing that the word whoever actually means whoever. I know, it's powerful. Took me five hours to work that out. But God, God's desire is He's looking for a person. He's looking for a people who He can entrust the wealth of heaven to actually be a representative of His to the world around about Him. You only need to look at the story of the Bible. You see, the story of the Bible, God created uh, heavens and earth and He put Adam and Eve in the garden. Unfortunately, they messed that up, so they were cast out. And then God decided, right, I'm gonna do something a bit different. I'm gonna actually select a person, a family and a nation that I'm going to bless And the Bible actually says that through those people, the worlds and the families will be blessed because of them. I'm talking Genesis chapter 12. God comes and sees Abraham and says, leave your father's house, go to a land that I'll show you. I will be your exceedingly great reward. I will be your blessing. And he goes on to say a few more things. And then at the end, he says this. He says, through you, Abraham, the families of the earth shall be blessed. Goes forward to from from Abram uh, through to Isaac, then through to Jacob, then through the nation of Israel. 
then to Jesus, the apostles and the early church. And today, the promise is still the same, that God actually wants to demonstrate His kingdom through you and I. The question is, what are you doing with the blessing that's in your hand? Are you actually being a witness to the world around about you of a God who loves them so deeply and so intimately that He gave up His best for them Or are you just sitting back in the recliner of blessing and going, this is awesome? Because God is looking for a generous people. You see, God gave His best for you. His absolute best. I love what Pastor Corey says. He didn't go to heaven and find the angel with the mangy wing, the dud leg and the one eyeball. It kind of... Sounds a little bit like, I don't know if you've heard the the wonky donkey story. That's the kind of picture that I hear about. Those that have got young kids will understand that. Um, Maybe I'll play the song a bit later. But God chose and gave His best for you. He gave His absolute best. And so oftentimes I think the question then becomes, if God gave His best, does that mean I need to give up everything myself? And that's a really valid question. It's a very good and relative question and we'll get to that in a minute. But I wanna talk a little bit about this, that generosity needs to flow from love. When I first met my wife, um, I, was, I was a little bit of a creep, to be honest. And, um, and she didn't like it, so she ran. Long story short, a lot of years went past and, um, and so I finally got the courage up to ask her out. I asked her out and she said yes and I thought, man, everything is just awesome. And so to demonstrate my love towards her, I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to actually buy and I'm going to give flowers. So I gave her some flowers every single week for the first, I, I don't even know how, how long that was, as, as a sign of like, God, I, I, Louise, I want you to know how much I love you. Eventually, she kind of turned to me and said, Dave, how are you getting all the money in order to buy these flowers all the time? Because it's getting a little bit ridiculous and I'm a little bit concerned about your bank account. (laughs) Can I just say, any fellas out there, you're dating someone and she says that, just listen, okay? It'll help you out. But love is the motivation through that generosity goes through. You see, I didn't give so that I would get something in return. And many of us treat God like the investment banker. I'll go and invest my money and and God, can you just make sure I get at least 30, 60 or 100 fold return so so that I'm really good? No, that's not the right motive in which to give. The motive to give is out of a place of love and intimacy. And if you wanna know where your love and intimacy with God is actually at, then you need to look at how generous you actually are. Because the two are related. To the degree that you're generous, I would argue, is to the degree that you love God. I I don't say this from a place of like condemnation. I say this from a place of understanding. Like when Jesus gave everything for you, He didn't leave anything in return. And it's the fact that Christ first loved you, gave up His life for you, that now out of that place we love Him. It's not like you're a superhuman person. No, it's, it's out of that place of, uh, of love and intimacy and, and just giving all that we have towards Him that then generosity flows. That is what generosity needs to come from. So if Christ gave it all, then do we need to give everything? And that's a great question. 
But actually, according to this scripture here in verse 10, it says, He, being God, who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food. So here I've got some seed. And you mightn't be able to see it. It's quite small, but these are little seeds. And God says he, he supplies seed for the sower, but then he also supplies bread for eating. That's not bad. Anyone else want to try some? Here, Pastor Tom. It's pretty good. Nothing like fresh bread with warm butter and a generous helping of butter. Come on, let's be honest. But do you know God actually provides bread for your life? Now, let me, let me put this in context. Paul's not talking about the fact that God actually leaves bread at your front doorstep at night and then some seed. He's using a farming analogy because most people of the time that he was talking to, agricultural things were the thing of the day, right? So what he's saying is this, is that the money that you get, the things that come to you are like seed and are like bread. Some of it is seed to be sown and other parts are actually seed that gets made into bread that you can consume. There is, there is two things that are happening here. And we need to understand it's actually not wrong for you to partake of the blessing of God that's on your life. In fact, you should never apologize for the favor of God that's on your life. I had this happen to me a little while ago. I had a friend, I, I, I've always been quite interested in shoes and they decided to give me some triple white Yeezys. Now, if you don't know what they are, if you're not kind of in the area of sneakers, they are, resale value is about $800. $800 shoes, they gave them to me. And I am not going to apologize for wearing them because can I be honest, it's actually the blessing of God that's on my life. Because I've learned what it is to sow seed and to enjoy the blessing of God. And in actual fact, the blessing that it comes on my life, I'm actually okay to give that away. Because, because what, what's bread do? Bread represents food. And what do you do with food? You sit down with other people and you partake of it together. It, it talks about communion with somebody else. It talks about being together with other, other people. The important thing for us to realize is so many of us feel like we need to apologize for the blessing of God that's on our life and God's going, why in the world would you apologize for something that I orchestrated over you? Do you know that, do you know that the blessing of God was actually a sign to the nations around about them that there was a group of people that prioritized God in their life and this was the byproduct? It was actually evidence of a holy God who loved them so deeply and actually was willing to give to them. So if God gives seed and bread, bread's okay, but there's something about the seed that we need to understand. The seed is actually for sowing. And if, if this sounds really simple, I know, but if I had a teaspoon here and I just started eating the seed, it would not be that enjoyable. 
Right, you understand that? There's a process that the seed needs to go in in order to become like bread. Because of that, the seed is actually meant for something else. There's about 15 seeds here. And what are, what's the purpose of the seed? It's to actually plant it in the ground. Why? Because there's power in the seed. There's power in the seed. There is actually power in your finances as you release them. You need to release them. And you know what I've found? Every time God's challenged me to release finances, I've had twofold things happen. One, it's, it's done something in my heart. It's, it's allowed me to let go of something, let go of material things. And the other thing, it's actually produced a harvest. God gives us seed for sowing and bread for eating. So the question kind of becomes, okay, well, well how do we know which one's which? And, and the actual answer is in verse 7. As you determine in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. In other words, if somebody else is dictating to you what you should be giving, that's the wrong thing. It actually comes from a place where you, lay, where you lean before God, where you allow the Holy Spirit, you lay it down, and you say, Holy Spirit, would you speak? Would you lead? And it comes from the inside out. And as we lean into Him and lean from the inside out, it's amazing what He does in that space. So there's two things that I think often happen to us that stop us from recognising what's seed in our hand and planting that seed. The first thing is our identity is placed in the wrong thing. Our identity is placed in the wrong thing. When I was 16 years of age, I loved playing cricket. I would wake up in the morning, I'd dream about playing cricket. Like cricket was my thing. And I got accepted into the Bendigo Academy of Sport for Cricket and was doing some um, things in that space. It was really exciting. But my hero uh, was Matthew Hayden. I don't know if you know who that was. He opened the, uh, the batting for Australia for a number of years, was part of one of the most successful Australian teams of all time. And, uh, and he was like six foot two. I used to dream and, and think like, I am Matt Hayden. So much to the point where it's like, he was, he was sponsored by Grey Nichols. So I like, I, I, I wanted mum and dad, like you need to buy me Grey Nichols gear. Mind you, that costs about $5,000 for a bat, gloves, um, pads, thigh pad, helmet, uh, and also inner gloves. Uh, you, you, you need to buy me this because my thought process was if I just have what he has, I will be like him. And I wonder how many of us have gone, if I just get this thing, then I will be all right. Then I will be made well. Then, then I will be significant. Then I will be important. And here's the thing, is the stuff doesn't make the person. It doesn't make the person. I don't care how much you spend. I don't care how much you do. It does not make the person. Why? Because actually I found this out. Matt Hayden used to hit on average 500 cricket balls per day. That's what made him great. And oftentimes I've seen things where he didn't actually have a Grey Nichols sticker on his bat at all. Oftentimes, how many, how many things do we do where we... Where we 
We're looking at Instagram. We're looking at what the world says is successful and is important and is powerful. And we go, if I just go and get that brand, if I just go and buy that particular thing, if I just get that car, if I just get that girlfriend, if I just get that thing right there, then I will be successful. No, that's not how it works. Our identity is actually found in Jesus Christ and what He did. Because He died for you before any of that stuff ever came along. He spoke in His Word about who you were. The Bible says that He knit you together in, his mother, in, in your mother's womb. He formed you. He, he orchestrated you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Now, does anyone here know what the 10th commandment is? Bit of Bible trivia. 10th commandment. Everyone's got their phones out. Quick, give me the 10th commandment. Come on. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's house, your neighbor's things. That word covet actually means to desire, to to look upon and want it yourself. Now, I I want you to look at something here. What was the first sin that happened? It was Eve in the garden. Eve's in the garden and she's communicating with the serpent, which is a whole nother matter altogether. And, and the Bible says that she looks at the tree of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says that she covets the fruit. It's the same word that's being used. She desires it and so she takes for herself and partakes of the very thing that God says, hey, that's the only thing you don't need to worry about. I've got everything else you could ever need. But she decides to say, you know what? That thing is the thing that's gonna make me significant. How many of us have spent too much time looking, gazing, desiring of things, of people that we see, oh man, they've got it together, they're awesome, they're an influencer, they're amazing, if I just get that product, If I just buy this particular thing, then I will be significant. No, the reason that sometimes your seed is being locked up and locked away is because your desire is to be found in things rather than found in Christ. It's gotta be found in Christ. The second reason why I believe our seed gets locked up is because we are a generation that loves instant gratification and debt. We love it, like we wear it with a badge of honour. I love it, it's amazing. I can go into a shop, I can buy a pair of sneakers and not have to pay for them for four weeks. How awesome is that? Did you know ABC News actually um, did an article earlier um, a couple of weeks ago that said that Australians spent $11.9 billion on buy now, pay later services. That's not credit cards. That's not personal loans. This is buy now, pay later. Now, I just want to stop for a moment. And look, if you have partaken in that particular thing, there is no condemnation. But I just want to illustrate for a moment what that actually does. Because debt binds you up and you don't even know it. The Bible says that we are to be, we are, we are made free in Christ. Christ Jesus has set us free. So why do we bind ourselves up again? Well, if you're like me, you go into the Nike store at Chapel Street and you see these bad boys. They're like, I gotta have them. 
Like, I, I need to, I need to, because if I wear them, I mean, even Pastor Corey says every good preacher needs a good pair of sneakers. <laughs> so Louise, it's not my fault, it's... <laughs> And so what we do, instead of actually saving up some money, putting it aside, we go, oh, it's all right, I'll put it on some afterpay. I'll buy it on afterpay. I, I wanna read to you, this, this, will be, this was in the same article, and this was a girl that they interviewed. She says this, I've used Zip in the past to purchase a washing machine, Afterpay to use, I, I, sorry, afterpay I use for groceries, birthday presents, and little things like that, she said. I still didn't have a job when I signed up for Afterpay, and Afterpay offered me $500 credit without a credit check. Zip offered me another $500. Very quickly, it increased the limits to $3,000 and $2,000 respectively, giving her a combined total of $5,000 a month to spend, of which she says, it doesn't really make sense to me because I don't know how I'm going to pay it back. This is the generation that we live in. Where we bind ourselves up based on things that actually don't make us any better. Like I love a good pair of sneakers. I love other bits and pieces. And it's not wrong to have those things in your life. But let me tell you, when you live with a kingdom perspective, you recognize that God gives you seed and this seed is actually to sow into the ground. But too many times we're so self-focused that the very seed that we're supposed to sow to bring about somebody else's breakthrough are found in sneakers that we just admire. Oh man, they're beautiful. Have you seen the red tick on them? They're amazing. They're beautiful. <laughs> Go home and spray them, protect them, get the cover on the bottom so nothing gets ruined there. And we have a wrong perspective because we've allowed the debt and the decisions that we've made to bind us up. And here's what I found. I used to be really bad at this. In fact, when Louise and I first got married, my wedding present to my wife was a three grand credit card bill. There you go, hun. So I, I talk to you from a place of, I've done this, right? What happens is, is as we go about our life and the Holy Spirit prompts us to be generous, to give, to pay for a coffee, to pay for a meal, to pay for someone's groceries, to share the love of Christ through our finances, what happens is when we're so tied up to debt, the problem is that that money that we would normally give is being bound up because the bank man needs his money. And we don't even realize that the very seed that we're supposed to sow to transform a generation is actually bound up in something and the bank man has got the seed. I wonder, I really wonder how much of Commonwealth, NAB, all of these particular companies have actually got so much of our seed that was actually designed to transform a generation. And yet the bank's got it. The kingdom of darkness has bound us up because we've been so consumed with what the world says is important. I tell you, it's time for us as a generation to recognise that God has given us seed, not just for our benefit to, to, to partake in bread, but to actually transform a generation. 
Because there's power in the seed. Let me tell you, wherever you're at, like I said before, if you are stuck and bound in financial uh, difficulty right now, I've heard story after story after story of people who have had debt cancelled, who have had, had a plan put in place that has enabled them to get out of debt. And let me tell you that God wants you to be free in the area of your finances because He wants you to be a sower. The Bible says later on in verse 10, it says, he supplies seed for the sower and bread for food and will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. Never despise the day of small beginnings. I remember when my seed looked so insignificant. Remember God and I were having a conversation about this. God, God, Holy Spirit comes and says, I want you to give this particular amount. And for me, I'm like, that's, that's not very much. And it didn't, sorry, it, it seemed a lot to me, but it actually what I look at today, it wasn't very much. But as I sowed it and as I was obedient to his word, it's been time and time and time again that he has multiplied the seed in my life. I was in Adelaide um, at a Shakers conference and, um, and we were all there. There's a whole lot of us youth guys that were there. We'd driven over and we go to the supermarket after one of the nights to go and get some food and stuff. And, and so we're kind of having a bit of fun, mucking around, and we get into this Coles supermarket, and we're going down the aisle, and, I, and as I go down the aisle, I see this old lady who's pushing one of those, those um, grocery carts, the old school like, um, material ones, and, and she's at the, the cat food and dog food section, she's piling in all of this, this, um, this cat food into her trolley. I'm like, man, she must have a lot of cats. Like, this is weird. So I didn't think too much of it. I go around, get the things that I wanted to get, and I get to the checkout, and there's this same lady like, like on the conveyor belt putting up things and things of cats. And I, and I just jokingly said, oh, how many cats do you have? Like, it's, that's a lot, of, a lot of cat food. Like, just trying to be nice and strike up a conversation. And, and she turns to me, no, I, I know what it was. She says, I don't have any cats. Hey, do you have a cat shelter you're giving to? Like said, no, I can't afford regular food. And I'm there in the supermarket and the Holy Spirit starts to speak to me. Hey, Dave, would you take her around the shop and buy her some groceries? So I said, okay, well, uh, let's, let's go get you some real food. So we took her around. And as I'm taking her around, I, I get to hear some of her story. And I get to communicate with her and I just say, she's like, what, but, why would you, but why would you do this? And I said, look, I know what it's like to live without. But can I tell you that money is not going to fix your circumstance. There's only one person who can fix your circumstance and that person's Jesus. It gave me the moment that I could actually share the good news of Jesus into a person's life. I, I really believe if we would look at the seed, the finances that God has placed in our life, we would have a fresh revelation of what we can do, of the kingdom advancing. I'd love it if the team could come and join me. Can I tell you that there's good news? There is good news because there's power in the seed. There is more power in the seed than you would even realize. You know, there's probably about, and I don't know for sure, but maybe half a dozen seeds in an apple. And so you can take them out and you can plant them. But you can't quantify how many apples are in a seed. 
Because when you plant the seed, a tree grows, produces apples. Season in, season out. And there is nothing wrong with the seed. You know what the problem is? It never gets planted. The seed never gets planted and doesn't produce anything. God has blessed you with many things. He has given you so many things. But the question is, can you recognise what's the seed in your hand to actually give, to plant in the ground? I, I literally could be here telling you story after story after story after story of God working miraculously in my and my wife's life through this particular area. And we, I, no joke, we could be here till midnight. I, you cannot tell me that this is not biblical. Sorry, I'm too far down the rabbit hole. I'm, I'm gone done because I've just seen God come through time and time and time again and I've often wondered this when my time is up and I get to heaven and I enter into the holy of holies and and meet God and do the thing that's there I wonder how many people will come to me that I've never known and said Dave was because of your planting a seed that I am now in this place. It's because of you deciding to plant a seed of finance into God's house that now I am in this place. At the start of this year, as we came in February to give our, we took up our vision offering. My wife and I sat together and we prayed and we said, okay, God, what do you want us to give? What do you, we, we put it down before you. What do you want us to do? And God put a particular number in our, in our heart and we're like, okay, we're going to have to make that work. No worries. And as we came on the Sunday, we came and, and gave that into the offering. I remember getting back to my seat and saying, God, I, I just give, give, this isn't much, but I just ask that you would multiply it. God, I want to be a sower in your house. I want to live open-handedly and give freely to those around about me. And as I was there, I just was reminded of that same illustration. I wonder, I wonder of the people of San Francisco that I'm going to meet in heaven. I wonder of the people in Hobart that I'm going to meet because we decided to give in our vision offering. I don't say this under a place to compel or force anybody to give. You do you, boo-boo. But I just want us to recognize for a moment the power that's in a seed. It might be insignificant to you, but can I tell you, as it's planted in the ground, sorry to the cleaner, as it's planted in the ground, God has already placed the DNA of harvest that's in it. As we plant it into good soil, as we plant it in the ground, there will be generation after generation after generation that will reap a harvest because you decided to sow. Can I tell you that there are uni people that need to know the gospel and us giving generously as we live a life of generosity, it is a sign that God is actually real in a world that everybody thinks about themselves. I want us to all stand in this place.
wonder if there's some people in here that are like, okay, I don't, I may not have much, but I'm willing to do the part, my part. I'm willing to start. I wonder if there's some people in here that are like, you know what? The Holy Spirit's telling me it's time to actually get my stuff in order, get my finances in order. I wonder if there's some people in this room that God's actually asking you to go to a new level in your giving. Can I tell you that as you take that step of faith, believing what He has said, it may hurt in the initial, but can I tell you, it pays off in the big time, in the long run. You will be blessed beyond all that you could ever need. There'll be enough bread in your area that you can enjoy and you can have and you can do. But here's the thing, there will be a harvest of souls that will come in because you decided to play your part. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.